Welcome to the Pension Blueprint, our podcast for Ulmer's members. I'm Celine Chivetti, Executive Vice President and Head of Pensions at Ulmer's. In this episode, President and CEO Blake Hutchison shares his mission to deliver on the Ulmer's pension promise. Hello, Blake. Thank you so much for being our first guest on the Pension Blueprint. Thank you for asking, my friend. How was your summer? Fine. My summer was fine. How about your summer? It was good. As we're sitting here in September on this hot, humid day, it feels uh, like summer is still going to continue, but we're so thrilled to have you here today. Um, so this podcast was really created in service of OMER's members, almost 600,000 of them now across the province, which is hard to believe, um, and really trying to get them closer to the leaders, the strategies, the investments, um, and information about their pension plans. So they're in for a real treat with you here today. Um, and I'm going to start just by, not that you need an introduction, but I'm going to read from your very impressive uh, bio, if I could, for just a minute. Um, so you are today president and CEO of OMERS, one of Canada's largest pension plans. Uh, prior to that, you were the president and chief pension officer. Before that, you were also president and CEO of Oxford Properties, head of global real estate for Mount Kellett, a New York-based PE company and the chairman and president of C.V. Richard Ellis in Canada and Latin America. You're Columbia, Western University, and London School of Economics, educated, and serve on several important and prestigious corporate and volunteer boards. You've been named not once, but several times to the Power 100's most influential real estate executives in New York City. You've received the Icon of the Industry Award through the BOMA Ottawa, and have been a top 40 under 40 recipient. And I know the list goes on and on. (laughs) And more to come, I understand, this year. Um, But super, super impressive. And so I think with that background, my first question for you, and what I know many of our listeners will want to know, is how does a young boy from Huntsville, Ontario, end up sitting in the seat that you're in today? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind introduction. And, And by the way, you were doing great. Celine, in your role. Um, and for those of you who don't know on this podcast, uh, Celine runs our entire pension services team, uh, over 250 individuals who wake up every day looking after the needs of our pensioners. And you are shining inside our organization, outside our organization. You're a terrific partner to me. And for those of you who don't know Celine, uh, I hope and trust you will get to know Celine because um, she wakes up every day worrying about your needs and, and, you know, I can't thank you enough for the job you're doing on behalf of Omers. Very kind. Thank you, Blake. Yeah. means a lot. So listen, a small town, I actually feel incredibly fortunate to have, to have been brought up in this little community uh, of Huntsville, Ontario. And I think you learn at an early age when you're interacting in a small town, just how communities actually function. You know, the role of the church, the role of the town council, the role of the leaders on the municipal level, you know, and I think the, most of the good things that happened in that community were volunteer events because not a lot of people had a big income. Um, you know, without any exaggeration, my uncle was a fire chief. Our next door neighbor was a police officer. Members of our family were part of the Omer's pension. I had a great uncle who was mayor for his sins. I had a father. My dad was on council at, at, at one or two times over the course of my lifetime, giving giving back to the community. And, 
you know, you saw when a contractor got a job, um, you know, they'd employ three more people and a new house would get built and sub-trades would get opportunities. So I actually just feel they are a microcosm of a greater society. And it really helped me learn to appreciate and understand what life was like and how communities functioned. And I think that's part of the reason why I feel so blessed to be here at Omer's. Um, Huntsville's not unlike, you know, the other 443 towns and cities and hamlets across the province of Ontario. It's just one of those uh, subsets. And, um, and I think it helps me understand who I work for and really appreciate and respect who I work for. I also was blessed in that small community to have uh, some tremendous mentors. My grandfather was uh, established a lumber company and was a deep employer in that region and cared um, more than life itself, more than profits about how his employees were treated and, and how you know, their future could be as he grew this business from a quite local business to a quite uh, Canadian-wide business. My father was also a real entrepreneur and a real member of the community and took on projects to improve that, uh, that hometown of mine. And my mom was, um, just so ingrained in, you know, food drives and supporting the hospital and directing plays and musicals that supported Rotary Club and charity clubs. And so all three of those mentors reminded me of the importance of both hard work and giving back. And, um, and I think that's partially why I, I love what I do here at Omer's because uh, I'm working for people just like my own family, in my own community, in my own hometown. Well, I, I, you can really feel it. I think the fact that community has been part of your upbringing and we talk about sort of Omer's pension purpose as being part of social infrastructure, you live and breathe that. Um, and so I think to achieve what you have achieved in life and to be able to still sort of represent the members that you serve is, is something that just speaks so much to me. And I know whenever we go out on the road um, to our members. So that's that's phenomenal. Um, I'm going to ask you more about your father in a little bit, but I want to now take you back to um, early 2020. Um, so it seems like a long time ago, but arguably one of the most volatile, scary and disruptive times uh, in recent history. Um, the COVID pandemic was just starting. Um, the economy was pretty much falling apart. Hospitals were overwhelmed. Um, and you, my friend, were named CEO um, of Omers. And so I want to take you back to that time. Can you talk to us about what that was like? How did you navigate through the first 12 months um, in your role um, as CEO at Omers? There was a little bit of an inauspicious start, wasn't it? Listen, I'm, I was fortunate prior to that to have been with Omers for 10 years, both running Oxford Properties and also as the chief pension officer for a period of time working very closely with you. So I had a pretty uh, great appreciation for the greater enterprise and our board made sure that I'd had multiple experiences so I, I didn't hit the ground from a standing start. I had a deep context and how we could get through difficult times. And fortunately for me, I had been leading up to that period a CEO for businesses for almost 20 years. Uh, CB Richard Ellis, as you mentioned, Canada's largest service company, Oxford Properties, again, for nearly 10 years. And so you have to dig deep, draw on the management skills and leadership skills that you have uh, attempted to accumulate over a long career. But I can't deny it was difficult. I mean, I have to say, 
the Canadian dollar dropped 15 cents almost overnight, depending on what we held in our portfolio. You know, it there was a free fall on equities, 35 to 45%, depending on the equity you held. You know, we had our malls shut down by the legislators. Um, even if we wanted to keep them open, they were shut down uh, point blank, which meant a lot to trying to keep our employees on the team, but also our revenues, you know, dried up. Um, we had, a, you know, our hotels. We owned five big hotels in Canada including Banff Springs and Jasper Park Lodge and, and uh, Shadow Lake Louise and Shadow Whistler and two here in Toronto. Zero revenue. I mean, the revenue went from, you know, a terrific stream on behalf of the pensioners to zero. We had a, uh, we own a substantial piece of London City Airport in the UK and all of a sudden dried up. We actually lent the airport to emergency service workers during COVID because that was the highest and best use for that asset because the revenues dried up. We had a cinema company that, again, very prosperous company, overnight went to zero from a revenue perspective. So we had our fair share of, of difficulties. And when you have over a thousand investments, you know, fortunately for us, we have, you know, deep diversification. So none of those in and of themselves devastate the portfolio, but it meant a lot of work, it meant some setbacks, it meant some write downs during a difficult time. And yet I had a team around us who rallied and worked literally night and day on behalf of the pensioners to get through this period. And I'm so grateful to them. We had both boards, frankly, both our board, the AC and the SC, who were very supportive of us during that time. And what I'm really proud of, one of the things I'm most proud of as I reflect back now more than three years hence, is that, um, you know, as of like the first half of that year, difficult, since that period from June 1st of 2020 to today, we've generated 10.5% annualized returns over that three-year period. So yes, a difficult six months. We didn't succumb to criticism. We were very methodical in our approach. We worked 24-7 on behalf of the plan. And we, this is a great, turnaround story from that very difficult time. And I think we should all be proud of a 10.5% annualized return from that mid-year point because on any relative or absolute basis, um, that's a pretty good outcome from a very, you know, as you say, perhaps the most difficult economic setback that any of us have ever experienced. Yeah. And I think it's hard to imagine now, but at the time we didn't know how long it would last and what really touched me as sort of one of the new leaders on your team um, was just the sense of responsibility that you had in showing up every single day for all of us, sort of as your employees internally, but then also for members. And I think just this real determination that we will get through this and let's think we're a long-term investor. We will we'll manage these short-term challenges um, and just really sticking to the strategies that you knew would 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 work um, and getting well, us through it. Celine, our real heroes are were our members. Yeah. Like, and I think society has learned to respect and appreciate them more than ever before. You know, frontline, keeping our cities safe, keeping our hospitals open, keeping you know our our citizenry, you know, out of harm's way to the best of their ability, and and. Our members didn't have a chance to slow down during that period. A lot of people in society did, not our members. So we we had to, out of solidarity and deep respect, do the exact same. 
And you have to believe in tomorrow or you shouldn't be in business. And you, and I have to say that we, as a team, when you write a report card, when you're a big investor, um, it sometimes takes years to get your result. When you're in high school or university, you get it back next Wednesday. Yeah. So you just have to have confidence that the decisions you're taking are in the best interest of the plan. You have to take a long view, as you said, you know, it's easy to criticize somebody over a six month period. If they can demonstrate, you know, year in, year out that we have a strategy, we had to tweak our strategy. I have to say we had to change a lot of our positions and get in the way of new trends and get out of the way of certain pre-COVID bear traps. But the truth is um, we didn't panic. We were confident in our approach and the numbers and the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I think members absolutely feel that and appreciate it. Um, so now I'm going to just fast forward to some better times. Um, Omer's just posted its six-month mid-year results at 2023 at 3.1% um, after really solid uh, returns for 2022 and 2021. It brings our 10-year average return to 7.8%. Um, so first of all, congratulations and well, thank you. It's a total team effort. You know that. It's, it's no, there's no individual that should be congratulated. It's a team. And and I always say you, uh, the rearview mirror is a lot smaller than the windshield yes. for a reason. Let's not look back. Let's keep yeah. looking forward. Absolutely. And let's never get cocky or presume we have this. It's just every day we have to wake up and, and keep looking to the future because it's all about the future. But I think if anyone said, you know, I can get you close to 8% for 10 years on your own money, that's a pretty good story. Yeah. And now we have to keep this trajectory and keep the pressure on and keep doing the right thing. So that's, uh, we go out on the road often to meet members. You're very uh, gracious with your time. And I know, I think we're actually going to, <laughs> we're going to Ottawa and Thunder Bay soon. We're going to be in Thunder Bay nice. in November. So I'll nice. remind you that you said that you love it, but we're yeah, in the snowy Thunder Bay. Yeah. So one of the most frequent questions I think you get uh, when we go out on the road is, um, how are we doing? How are our investments doing? How are you feeling about the world? Especially when, you know, we all listen uh, to the news and hear about potentially a recession coming. Um, people want to know, are my investments okay? Is, is Omer's doing okay? And most importantly, will my pension be here for me when I retire? Um, yeah. And so I'm going to ask you the question a that simple. I know the listeners want to know, just a very simple question. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Well, the plan is now over 60 years old and one way or another, this pension has been paid to the great people who've earned it on time and as planned for over 60 years. And that is certainly, we will do everything in our power to ensure that that is absolutely the case for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. And today is no exception. And so the our members deserve that. It's a pension promise. Last time I checked, a promise is a promise. We will do everything in our power to do that. And, you know, I would say we cannot speak on behalf of the Sponsors Corporation. They have a role of consistently looking at the plan, sometimes uh, adjusting it here or there to adjust for intergenerational equities or inequities and things of that nature. And we have to respect that that's a role. So could there be tweaks? Quite possibly. But should we believe in the future of this plan and our ability working with the SC to deliver a sustainable, affordable, and meaningful plan to every single member? Absolutely. 
You know, and as I sit here today, we've come off a 9.8% two-year average if I looked at last calendar year, um, which is, which is, I think, terrific by any measure. The markets are tough right now. The market, and let's not understate that. Let's recognize it. You just need to read the paper. The cost of money, interest rates are affecting everybody's home and their own mortgage, their own lives, the cost at the grocery store. We as a plan respect how it's affecting humanity and they are difficult markets to navigate. Um, over 55% of our portfolio is in our Oxford business, our infrastructure business, our private equity business. And um, right now, although our operating fundamentals are quite strong, the you know exit capitalization rates, which basically impact the valuation if that asset were, be, were to be sold, are worse this year than they mm -hmm. were other years, largely because appraisers are valuing and in the cost of money. So it'll be a difficult year to navigate. But again, I'm confident that we have the strategies and the team and the people and the diversification to get through this difficult time and to continue to deliver on the promises we make to those 600,000 people. You often talk to us about being realistic yet optimistic. And I think um, you that really summarizes what you've just said, which is the realities of the economy right now are difficult um, and not lost on you or the investment team, but you, you find opportunities. You can't ignore macro trends. You yeah. can't ignore um, setbacks. You can't ignore, you know, what's happening geopolitically um, around the world, war in Ukraine, pressures, US, China, um, you know, regional pressures almost in every part of the world. There's 200 countries out there and it's hard to find one that mm -hmm. isn't experiencing difficult mm -hmm. times. And today we have 10 offices around the world, 14 different time zones, and we invest in multiple markets. We're trying to focus really on 15 of the 200 because I think we can be great in competing in 15 of the 200. And if you spread your wings too widely, you can't continue to compete with the best of the best where we need to compete. And so we're picking our spots, but there aren't any regions where you get a get out of jail free card and you have to be nimble and you have to be innovating and you have to be realistic. But when you are and you've got great teams in place, you can usually find ways to walk between the raindrops and add value in incremental ways on behalf of this plan. It brings me to my next question, which is sort of about those difficulties. And if I kind of look at our membership, our youngest member right now is 14 years old, which is always hard to believe for me. And our oldest is 108 years old. Um, and so while paying the pension promise really is the most important things that we do, um, we also have a bigger responsibility than that $127 billion pension plan. Um, we contribute quite a bit to the economy of Ontario. When we look at our, our communities, um, we touch one out of 11 households across Ontario and I think bring something like $12 billion annually um, to into the, the Ontario GDP. The GDP we just, contribute approximately that amount, yeah. just OMERS itself right. on yeah. an annual basis. Yeah. Which is phenomenal. And so when you think about the value, not just to the members, but to the, to, to the greater community, um, I think that's really important. Um, I also think that when we look at sort of the social governance I and mean, environmental issues, that is a hot topic right now because it's very, very important to all of us and, and the world we live in. 
Um, I know that it's deeply personal to you um, as the co-chair of the Investor Leadership Network, um, and you're very committed to that cause while also recognizing the responsibility um, that you have uh, to our members. And so you've just got um, Omer's Climate Action Plan approved by our Administration Corporation Board. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and how you think about ESG in the context of investing in everything that we do? Very good questions because <laughs> there's a lot. I told you, I didn't packed. say this was going to be easy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's a lot packed in. I'll start with Ontario. Um, you know, this plan is absolutely essential to the success of Ontario, not only as you say, do we contribute $12 billion annually to the GDP of the province, but we, we you know, we're working on behalf of a, a vast percentage of the citizenry and we are so committed to Ontario. You know, I fundamentally believe Canada is the greatest place in the world, greatest country in the world, and I fundamentally believe Ontario is the crown jewel of this great nation. And I think we have a responsibility that's enormous. We take it very seriously. I take it very seriously. And this is my most important life's work is committed to OMERS and specifically, you know, how we can properly defend and protect and build upon the defined pension plan that, that personifies OMERS and also to do what we can for the province of Ontario. And we're deep investors in Ontario. For example, we own 50% of Bruce Power, which provides approximately 30% of the electricity to the province of Ontario. And the list goes on and on and on. And I think our members would be really proud of the investments we have here, Yorkdale Shopping Center, and the list goes on. Um, so we will always be committed to Ontario, and we will just try to make it a better place for, for, for all of the citizens, and particularly our members. In terms of ESG, you know, running a business today, again, an enormous responsibility. You would, if you ignore, those principles, you ignore them at your peril. You have to make them a high priority. And I'll take Oxford Properties as an example. It wasn't long ago that the real estate industry was the greatest abuser of um, greenhouse gas and all of the pollutants and, and it was sort of a poster child for not getting it right. And we decided back when I was running Oxford to make Oxford either a leader or the leader in the space globally as it relates to climate initiatives and modeling how you can be a responsible owner and developer of real estate. Why? Because our customers wanted it and we're prepared to pay for it. Our employees were motivated and excited to be part of an organization that led in an, in, in an industry globally. And by the way, our members were saying, you have to get this right for society at large and, frankly, the, the climate. Part. And we, Oxford Properties, have received literally hundreds of awards for being a leader in this space. And I would put their record against any in the world, including, I think, Fast Company Magazine named us, we, Oxford, one of the most, most innovative companies in the world, like repeatedly over the last several years. Now fast forward to Omer's. In the last three or four years, under the very able leadership of Michael Kelly, who's our chief legal officer and head of sustainability, we have dramatically moved the needle. We feel it's an incredibly important priority um, for our members, but also we think 
it doesn't need to be at the expense of our fiduciary obligation to our members. We think by getting this right, we can unlock outsized returns by being a leader in this space, if not the leader in this space in multiple ways. So we're very committed to to that end. And we are investing in portfolios where we think the aperture of low carbon opportunities will give us outsized returns. We are trading out some of the assets we've held long-term, which are which are large uh, users and absorbers of, um, of impurities of all kinds. And we're going to continue to make that a priority. And we put a stake in the, in the ground in 2020 to say we were going to decrease the intensity of our carbon uh, footprint by 25% by 2025. We've bettered those instructions. We did it early. Uh, we've now put a new stake in the ground for 2030 to have a diminution by 50% from our earlier base years. And we're going to do everything in our power to do that. And of course, we've committed to net zero by 2050. And every five years, we're just going to continue to increase the commitment, both for the companies we invest in and our own corporate footprint, because it's the right thing to do. And um, those are among the initiatives that are important to us. I hope our members read our climate action plan. I think they will be proud of it. I think it's leading in the right direction. And we're going to continue to make that commitment. That's great. Thank you. Um, By the time this episode airs, the information on the Climate Action Plan can be found on our website. Um, And I I encourage every member and listener to to read it. So you spoke a little bit about this, both in your intro and then uh, just now. um, But we talk often about purpose at work. Um, And so I think we are always, um, we're all, our values and deeply committed to the purpose of providing a pension and and how that impacts um, our members. Um, you often say we are here for not a long time, for a short time, um, and we have an opportunity to leave the campground better um, than how we found it. Um, so talk a little bit about what things that you do to give yourself energy and to sort of get that that purpose um, built out there, both professionally and, and personally in your own home life. Well, thank you. First of all, we are blessed. Um, within Omers and Oxford, itself. We have about 3,200 employees. And I've seen companies hire consultants to try to discern what their purpose is in life and how they can build a culture around something meaningful. And we, as of right, have an amazing purpose, which is to serve 600,000 members, administering the plan, investing their their hard-earned dollars, and and all that it requires to support those two main pieces of our three-legged stool. And so what I find really quite simple is when we are out hiring and talking to our people, they are so motivated by that very, very, very important purpose. And you could work for a public company and make some shareholder wealthier. You could work for some billionaire and make them wealthier. Or you could work on behalf of 600,000 people. And I think, in fact, I know it resonates with people. And we have a tremendous foundation in our organization anchored in that purpose. And that allows us to align what's important to the plan, to the decisions we take, to our strategy. And everything starts from that. So really important. In terms of the, you know, again, 
this is a 60 plus year old plant. It's going to be around for hundreds of years. We are the custodians of this really important plant for a limited period in life. And it's a tremendous responsibility. It's a tremendous privilege. And sometimes it's a, it's a real challenge. And there's a book that I think is worth reading that was written by Simon Sinek, who's a futurist and a, and a really uh, thoughtful business leader. And it's called The Infinite Game. And The Infinite Game, the punchline in that book is that there are finite games and infinite games. A finite game is a game of hockey. You blow the whistle, it's over. You know, it's a, it's, you know, a game of chess. It's, um, it's a short term, has a beginning, has an end, it's over. Everybody goes home. We are playing an infinite game here at Omer's and we stand on the shoulders of giants with what we've taken on in terms of the business, in terms of the, you know, backbone that they built. And we have a period of time to just take every aspect of what we were served up and try to improve it in any way we know how so that future generations can benefit from our period of time. And my grandfather used that expression often. We, it's our job to leave the campsite better than how we found it. He, he was a, you know, born and bred, uh, you know, Huntsvillian. And that was the way he looked at his free time. And that's the way he looked at uh, his, his time on the planet. And that's the way I look at our time I love that. here at Omer's is how can we make this better for future generations with every interaction we take, every decision we take, building on the strength of others. We're working with an amazing group of people. They provide the motivation for me. When I look at the innovation and the talent agenda that we have today and the number of people who, because of this great purpose, come to work driving for the future, that gives me excitement. That gives me energy. We deal with literally tens of thousands of counterparties around the world, whether it's bankers, whether it's partners, whether it's investors who co-invest with us. That whole collective energy resonates for all of us, gives us tremendous, tremendous energy. And so I just can't uh, think of more important work, not only for me, but for the entire team and the entire organization, all founded in purpose, all founded in doing the right thing in service of tomorrow and making this campsite better than how we found it. I love it. I think we can all take that back to our own worlds, our own lives. So Blake, as we look ahead to 2030, um, can you talk to us a little bit about your vision and strategy? Yeah, thank you for asking. Uh, we are very focused on 2030. Um, we see that as the next big window of change for the organization. Today, as you mentioned, we're roughly 126, 127 billion dollars of equity in the plan, and that's as of June 30th. It's a little better since then, and um, we think our equity will be closer to 200 billion by 2030. So we think we grow by close to 65 percent between now and then, from an equity standpoint. And when we actually layer in some debt at the property level and really use our balance sheet accordingly, that easily results in a, you know, $350-400 billion enterprise, plus we have a lot of third-party capital we manage for others. So we're fast approaching an enterprise, it's probably not a half a trillion dollars, but it's close between now and 2030, all going to work for our members. And the good news is I think 
we can grow at that rate, but we can also just grow our overheads at a fraction of that rate because we can lever off the 3,000 people we have. We may have to add 10 or 15% more people, but we don't have to add 50 or 60% more people, which is the rate at which our equity grows. So we can drive down the cost of the plan and we can put more money to work for the plan. And we will continue to diversify the platforms that we have um, in infrastructure, in real estate, in private to equity, in ventures, in growth, in, fix, in fixed instruments, in the equity markets. And the, and the more we diversify, the more we can just broaden our shoulders so that we get enough exposure to certain geographies, certain uh, financial sectors, um, certain aspects of the economy. And the more that diversification takes place, the more we can actually see through cycles and see through the future and jealously protect our returns on behalf of the pensioners. So we are trying to set up, and I like our odds, Celine, um, a, an enterprise that's the model to the world as to how to service and serve our members and how to invest in a global context, in a fiduciary context, um, so that we can continue to deliver on the, on the promise we have. And, and we have a shot here, the Canadian pension plans in general, are thought to be the model to the world on how to do things. And I think OMERS can be the, the class of the field with, uh, with a lot of hard work, but with a lot of vision. And given the team that we've assembled, I like our odds. It sounds I, very positive for our members. It sounds like grow the plan, stay lean, all in service to our members for 2030. Well put. Amazing. Yeah, I agree. So I'm going to wrap up, but before I do, I must ask you, you talked a little bit about your father. I'd like you to share a bit more. I think any of us who follow you on LinkedIn um, have seen videos of your father, who I believe is 97 years old, um, jet skiing. I think he 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 holds a, a Guinness Book of World Records. Um, for not ski. jets, for water skiing. <laughs> for water skiing. Yeah, no, dad will be 97 on September 26th with some blessing. But he's in great health. He's in great shape. He's an inspiration. He believes in um, in in exercise uh, daily, and he believes in socializing. You know, exercise and socialize. There that's, you go. That's his message in life. Um, he he is um, in tremendously great health. It's uh, we can never take that for granted. But but it's amazing. His memory is is absolutely world class. And true, he won the Guinness World Book of Records for water skiing. How old was he? I believe he? he was just just this side of ninety five. He's ninety four and change, and um, he still snow skis. It's incredible. And um, he's just uh, he's just been one of the great uh, inspirations in my life. For those who know him, he's just a high quality, totally down to earth, uh, lovely human being, and. And let's hope that he outlasts your eldest pensioner um, and we have him around for another decade or so. I think it's amazing. <laughs> and I think for our pensioners listening today, definitely someone to, to look out for, to give them inspiration. Um, thank you for sharing your words of wisdom with okay. us, Blake. I'll be traveling to around the world most of this month just to see our people. Can't wait. And I will, uh, I'll make sure they remember why they're here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And to all of our listeners today, thank you so much for joining us and for being an OMERS member. If you like this episode, please let us know and share it with another OMERS member who might benefit from it. If there's any topic you'd like to hear about from us, let us know. Your input is so important and helps shape the content that we create for you. 
Thank you again and have a great day.